Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. The way that they play football is a war crime. <laughs> when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Your tips done. I've I've done the highlights, darling. You frosted your tips. Well, they're not frosted. It's all it's all highlighted. It's all dude. highlighted. Oh, handsome! Look at you. Welcome back to the When Will Alex Do His Sean Dyche Impression podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny mm. and my very when will Mikel Arteta friend Burnley podcast. Uh, Bradley Adams. Hello. No. <laughs> what was it? Brantley. Brantley's apples. Brantley Shapples. We need to, do you know what I, do you know what I used to do? I used to call you like the cup of tea Conte and stuff like that. I feel like I need to like step up my game and start. Yeah. We need to bring that back with the managers from this season. You could just use the, the Watford roster and that'll get you through the, <laughs> the, the, the fucking ABCs at this rate. What do I, there was a Dyche one, surely. Because he's D. I think I called you like the. Oh yeah. The, oh, the doorstep Dyche. The dickhead. No, the, I think you call me like the I dickhead think I called you the, I think I called you the dickhead Sean Dyche. Not very nice, is it? Not a good tone for a podcast. It was quite funny. I quite enjoyed it. Okay, that's good. Put, Bradley was just down, admiring, Go on. admiring my new frosted tit where it's their highlights. I'm just looking at myself in the uh, in the viewfinder here. Ooh. It's very blonde. Ooh, look at you. It is. It is rather blonder blonde. than I wanted it to. It also takes ages. I, I wouldn't know. I've never had it. I've never done that, so... Tell you what, here's a football reference for you. Uh, the woman who did it knows um, Adrian. <laughs> this is a top 10 tenuous. As in? The woman, as in Adrian. Liverpool in goalkeeper. Liverpool goalkeeper, Adrian. <laughs> is he got, is he, does he play Liverpool anymore? Yeah, I think so. Surely it's Quivine. He's, take, he's taking his bit. Hang on, does Quivine play Liverpool? I'm pretty Adrian. sure he's still on the books. Yeah, yeah, he plays, still plays Liverpool. He's 35. Tell you also, I, I can't believe still plays football. Aaron Lennon. Oh, surely, God. surely he should be dead. Let alone not still playing. Yeah, he, he is a bit old, isn't he? How old's Aaron Lennon? <laughs> this is the whole podcast. It's just gonna be me and Brad. Thirty-eight. Well, there's nothing to really talk about when it comes to the Burnley game. So he's only thirty-four. Fuck off. He's got a good few years in him left. Yeah. Do you, do you want to find hilarious? Rooney what? is younger than Ronaldo. Look at the pair of them. <laughs> Have you seen Rooney's new beard, though? It is. It's fat. It's nice. Yeah. Welcome he's back to the He's doing a really podcast. good job at Derby as well. Yeah, he's doing all right. How are you doing, Brad? Every every time you've tried to introduce this podcast, I've cut you off. I'm good, thanks, mate. Sorry. Well, How the are problem you? is, is the football... Normally, when we've won, we're we're coasting off the inertia of that. But today, it's just... I mean, again, we wouldn't another... know because we haven't won in January, but... Yeah, January's the new November. Um... I just did some yoga. 
I'm in a very, very sentimental, probably in the wrong mood to be analysing a a bad, a bad, a a bad victory. It's not what happened. Uh, A bad result of the weekend. Was it that bad? It's a nil-nil. It's a bad result, but in the context of all of the other results going basically our way, it's not the end of the world. Drawing nil-nil to Burnley is... Like it's not acceptable for a team that wants to make top four, but we're just, you know, it's, it's good that, that Chelsea did the job against Spurs and that, um, United beat West Ham. Are Burnley a bit of our bogey team? We've won, uh, we've won one out of the last five. I think we're not doing well against them. One out of the last five. I think I saw another stat that was like, we haven't scored in like three hours against them. That's, that's got well, we balls. scored Maybe in that's the, at the Emirates. Yeah, it's, might be at the Emirates because we we beat them 1-0 at Turf Moor. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the different podcast. Hope you're doing well. Uh, happy birthday if it's your birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might be someone's birthday. Oh, tell you what, Brad. We had a nice <laughs> message. <laughs> Who the fuck are you wishing happy birthday? It might be someone's birthday. If it's your birthday... This has, disse- this has descended into chaos and madness. If it's your oh, birthday, God. tweet is it. If not, <laughs> let me know. It might not be a wasted wish, Brad. Oh, I really hope it's, it's not. Birthday? I hope it's not. Tell you what, there was a guy listening to our last podcast, Richard Jusif. If I've said that wrong, I'm really sorry, Richard. Richard Joseph, he said, Hi both, sooner or later I'll get around to buying you a coffee as I'm always enjoying your pods. Remember, you can buy us Legend. a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Um, uh, and he said, uh, where well, he said uh, some more lovely words. And he said, at the start of the latest pod, Alexander mentioned feeling dizzy. If you're getting better, great, disregard this email. If the Cairo doesn't work, just thought I'd say that the Essex Vestibular Rehab Place is awesome. It's near South End, so not far from London. He recommended me, someone recommended me a place to go to sort out my dizziness. That's how brilliant the listeners of this podcast are, Bradley. So don't don't disrespect them. It might be their birthday. Could be. I hope it's his birthday. I, I hope, hope it's I Richard's hope it's birthday. His birthday. Happy birthday, Richard. <laughs> just I hope just you got case. everything you wanted, just in yeah. case. Well, you didn't get a good result of the weekend. Back to the football. Fuck there yeah. we go. Hey. Um, right. Also, Octoguna started rating our words of the game. Try and get some I'm structure, up at the moment. structure to this podcast. He said, Word of the game battle, self inflicted, which was Brad's, beats time. Time? Time? Step up your game, Alex. Bradley Adams, two. Alexander Manipeni, nil. Right, so I've gone all in on my word of the game. You ready? Oh, oh. My word of the game is break because we didn't get the breaks. We need a break. We needed someone to break the game open. I'm close to my breaking point. And we need to break the bank. <laughs> if that you does beg, not get you, you a point. You better give me a point. Uh, oh, I right. beg. I beg he gives me the point just for the sake he, of it. He probably will just go tell him to fuck probably off. Will, um, just, just for the banter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, listen, look, um, I didn't actually watch the game live. I had to watch it um, uh, on, on catch up, which kind of takes the sting out of things and kind of makes it a bit of a different watch. Look, I feel very much kind of overall feelings on the game there's there's things we can control and there's things we can't control and I'll the things we can't control are the development of this team the young in terms of you know how quickly they they develop they're young players we can't make Saka 27 
tomorrow. We we can't do it. He's he's going to make mistakes. I thought in this game, you know, he he looked like he needed a break. There we go. What are the game again? He looked like he needed a break. He looked as though he was making the wrong decisions. He was shooting when it should have passed and passing when it should have shot. Um, you know, there was some poor moments from Sambi. We didn't have the right, you know, Ben White, you know, did fine as a right back, but he he can't offer us something, you know. We're in we are in a development phase of this team and games like that are going to happen. What we can missing control- a lot missing a lot of what we're trying to develop. Yeah, exactly. And and there's going to be days when, you know, it just doesn't come off for the Martinelli's and the, you know, I thought Smith Rowe had a certainly decent second half, but you know, a, a decent ish game. Um and we're going to have games where it doesn't click for us and that's fine. But the problem is what we can control and probably where most of this podcast is going to going to spend we're going to spend most of this podcast talking about it is having players available because it's not okay to me that we are in the midfield situation that we're in we all know we need a striker we that's clear and i think we've we've spoken today and said look you know if we go all out and if we go all out and get vlahovic it's worth the wait and we'll see what happens with the striker situation who knows but we so clearly in that position yesterday needed someone to break the ba- uh, break break the game open. There you go, break. Um, so clearly needed someone to break the game open. We so clearly needed an Alexis, a Van Persie, a someone, someone who's going to do something at the peak of their powers, um, or certainly approaching the peak of their powers, who can who can break these types of games open. That game, what were we like ninety percent possession in the second half at some point? That 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 game is becomes a two nil or a one nil if we have a a a someone of that ilk in the, in those positions and we don't and we know that and i'm frustrated because we knew that before it's not easy i'm not saying it is easy to do that but we definitely lack something in midfield which we can control and i think um i'm frustrated about the the squad building right now but we'll see i mean everything could change by the end of the window yeah uh, on your point i'm not sure if i agree about us needing a player of that ilk um, because we we had the chances. Nick Pope was playing out of his skin. You know, I think he, he uh, as per my who scored, he got man of the match, made some brilliant saves and Lacazette missed an open goal. Uh, I think the the issue with, we we just need a, a half decent striker up top to be doing at least a little bit better than, than what we're doing right now. I don't think we... Obviously, I think getting in a Vlahovic or an Izak or a Dominic Calvert-Lewin would take us up another level. But even getting somebody in who's a rung below that, now I don't think we should do that, but we would improve as a team. The central midfield thing is is where this issue is. That's, that's where this whole problem lies, you know. I don't understand why we've we've made the decision that we're just binning the squad options but we're not bringing others in. I don't understand the the Maitland Nars loan without your the player that you're going to bring in to take up that spot already sorted out. I don't know whether they thought, you know, I was speculating with you earlier that I don't know whether they thought that the Arthur deal was going to be a lot easier than it's turned out to be because of mitigating circumstances like the injury crisis going on at Juventus, but that seems to be plaguing their their, their wing talent more than anything. Um uh, it, it's it's baffling that um, that 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 we that we did that that we thought that that was a good idea. It's also really strange that we've shipped Pablo Mari out on loan because again, 
one COVID outbreak and, and we're down to playing Omar Rekic at the back. And especially if they change the rules on the kind of player availability and how many players you have to have out with COVID to get a game postponed, that, that could come back to really hurt us. We seem to be making silly decisions that that, that could come back to to really, really hurt us, um, which comes on to my word of the game. And I, I, do you know what? I was so tempted to go with the same as last week, to go with self-inflicted. But for the sake of bringing a new one again. to the table, <laughs> no, no, no. But for, wait, for the sake of trying to bring a new one to the table to keep my to keep my scoring streak going, uh, my word of the game is frustrating uh, in a lot of different ways. The decisions around the club right now are frustrating. The, the match was frustrating. The players were getting so obviously frustrated with a Burnley team who, for a team that literally their only tactic is to kick people out of a game or cross it in and, and hope for the best, they haven't had a red card in 111 games. And for, context, for context, the next run in that, as in the, the next longest run without a red card is Chelsea with 20 games. They've not had a red card since January 2019, Burnley. Fucking hell. In the Premier League, they have not had a red card since January 2019. And if that is not the perfect proof that referees in this league, referee decisions based on the perception of a team, I don't know what is. Burnley are perceived to be a very physical team who gets stuck into challenges, so they get away with things. And it's, again, it's another game where contentious decision-making becomes a topic. If they're down to 10 men, do we win the game? I don't know. They're just as likely to sit again in a bank of 10 and, and keep doing what they're doing. But I think the game the game comes a lot easier because we can pass around them a lot easier with a man less. Um, but yeah, the whole thing to me is just frustrating. I think it's it, it was an avoidable situation and we drove ourselves headfirst into it and we're just lucky that other teams have bailed us out by getting results that we needed them to get to keep keep the hunt alive for yeah, yeah. top I, four, top six. I think the, fr- the frustrating thing is is so right and, and we're kind of, you know, sort of saying the same thing. And I, I, yeah, as I say, there's things we can control and there's things we can't control. And the things we can't control, we accept. You know, we're like, we, we haven't got that sort of lights out striker yet. And that's fine. We know the club are, are, are looking for Ooh, that. Sorry, sorry to cut across you as well. This is important. The thing about the striker thing as well, when we came into this season, we were all obviously saying that we think we need a new striker. It'd be a good option to get a new forward. But none of us knew or had the foresight to understand that this Aubameyang issue was going to crop up. None of us. True. So... It's made it more pressing. None of us knew that we, yeah, you know, none of us knew that come come January 2022, we would have basically annexed our, our top earner from the squad. So we can't place so much judgment that the club didn't foresee that and get somebody in before. I mean, the fact that they've spent 22 days chasing their top target, I think is ambitious, but there has to come a point where if you are going to sign a striker this summer, uh, this this January, you have to. Cut, there's there has to be a point of no return, a cutoff point where you, where you move on, um, and I think that cutoff point is 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 today. 
if Vlahovic does not want to come by now, he's he does he's not you're not going to convince him by January thirty first. And the only way that you are going to convince him is by breaking the structure you've spent so long trying to fix. We've spent so long trying to fix the mistakes of old when it comes to our wage structure, when it comes to our hierarchy, that the only way it seems to get this guy in is to throw money at him and his agent. It's going to break everything we're trying to do. We need to move on from it and get somebody else in who wants to be here. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree. And when you have someone like Lacazette who is working at a non-penalty XG of 0.31. You know, Three is- goals in his last 16 games. Which is basically what a goal every three, four games. Like it's it, and that the striker thing I find, as you say, yeah, we we couldn't have particularly anticipated the Abamyang thing, and we probably could have got through this season with Abamyang, Lacazette, and Nketiah, probably. But it doesn't appear like Abamyang's in it for the long haul. Who knows whether he's going to leave before the end of the window? I'm not sure, but certainly he's not in the right place to sort of lead us to top four. Certainly at the moment. Um, so we've got to do something. So, you know, there's certain things that are out of our control that I don't blame the club for. And there's certain things that are in our control. And I hope we do something about that. The midfielder thing, as I say, is the more frustrating part for me. Because yeah. I'm just like, I don't understand how we end up in a situation where Sambi... And and again, oh, Odegaard's, you know, Odegaard's in the midfield. He should be doing... I don't get... Sambi's basically, if you watch the game in the double... He's a single pivot. And you can't put Sambi Lekonga as a single pivot in a football match. It, it doesn't work. And, and we know this. So either find a different solution, you know, as I was talking about last podcast, I'm not, I don't, I'm not the manager, so I don't know the solution, but whether it's Ben White in the midfield or it's, you know, bringing in, playing a three in midfield with a, a youngster um, and, you know, instructing Erdegaard to do something completely different and having Sambi in there because the instructions of Erdegaard are clearly to play your game. And Erdegaard was, is fantastic and he's, he's a brilliant player. In a couple of years, he's going to be He's going to be bailing us out of games. I think he could be. He could be one of those kind of Alexis Sanchez type, pull something yeah. special out of the, out of the hat. Who knows? But he's not that guy yet. So we've got to find different solutions. And I think the midfield thing, you you, you guys know on this podcast, I I support Arteta. I I try and find reasons why I think things have happened. I try and find rationalizations. I try and explain things. But this one, I really can't explain. I do not get it. And I think it kind of leads us on to a thing about squad building which we've been discussing over the last few days, and I think is an interesting thing to, to bring to the pod. I personally think, and interested listeners in, in your perspective on this, and obviously, Brad, you'll have your, your say in a second. I think we've got to slightly change and adapt our, our viewpoint of squad building and what squad, bo- squad building is at the top level. I think we're f- hyper-focused as fans on first choice, second choice, and... Uh, specific positions who's going to play the double pivot the left side of the double pivot who's going to play this that and the other now in the end those things probably shake out you probably end up having a first choice but only because of this i think you need to start looking at squad quality and and squad um, ability and how you're going to build that based on what you need and based on what is missing from your team what do you need in the end a player like jota or for uh, Firmino, well, sorry, in, in the actually different example, a player like Fabinho is probably going to end up as Liverpool's first choice because he is the right solution in probably 70 to 80% of games. So he's going to end up as like the nominal first choice. But I don't think you should think about it like that. I think we should think about it like what qualities are we missing from our midfield? And I think what's happened, I saw a tweet that summed, up, summed this up perfectly. When someone starts performing, 
really well. What we do as a club is we tend to just sell our players who 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 aren't getting the team. Now Saka's performing. There's chat about Pepe going. Now Gabriel's performing. There's chat about Pablo Mari going. And I think what happens is we don't understand that to build a squad and to build a a team that is functional and can and can rotate and can be resilient to things like COVID and be resilient to things like injuries and the Abamang situation, you've got to build a team, and that takes time. But I think we need to stop thinking about like first choice, second choice, and backups, and start thinking about well, why not have like a Chelsea midfield where they have Kovacic, Kante. Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek, all who could play play there. What about that Chelsea front three? They they could have Havertz, Lukaku. They could have Pulisic, Ziyech, Werner. Like who says who starts in those teams? They they start based on the merits of the team on the day, what they're trying to do on the day, and who the opposition is. And I think Arsenal and Arsenal fans for too long, like I'm seeing like people saying we don't need Saliba, we've got Ben White. No 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 no, we need Saliba and Ben White. And I think this like Maitland-Niles thing is kind of a symptom of that. It's like, well, Maitland-Niles isn't going to start every single game. So what? He's at Arsenal. Like, we, we need to stop thinking about us as like, you know, like, like Adebayor and Especially came. when hopefully, hopefully there's going to be European football next season. Exactly. And, and so, look, there may be situations like Maitland-Niles where he's maybe a bit of a bad example. He's probably got to leave. He's just been waiting for so long for that. But like a Pablo Mari, I do agree with you. It's like what is the use in not having him there he's a he's a you know he's not our best player but in some games we might need his height and experience in some games it might have been useful to have pablo mari there gabriel shifts over to the right and you know rob holding goes on the on the right hand side i don't know you know like there's different options I'm, yeah i'm not i'm not saying that's what we should do but kind of shifting players out in this kind of ruthless manner taking away our squad does hurt us and it's hurt us today a hundred percent on your ideas of squad building. I I disagree, but I agree. I, I, I think it's this, I think for me, it's, it's this kind of like uh, almost a mold of two ideas. I think you will always have first choices in certain positions. I think you'll all, and, and especially across, um, and I think it's less about the set positions and I send you a voice note about this and I don't think I explain myself very well, but I think it's about the role that that position plays. In, in your team, for example, in the Liverpool team, their right winger, Salah, is their main goal threat, their main goal scorer. He will be a mainstay in that team because players like that need a run in the team. They need to keep building form, scoring goals and, and continuing rather than being taken in, taken out, dependent on opposition, right? And Arsenal will need one of those players, whether that player is going to play at centre forward or at left wing. Obviously, you have then for those positions, somebody who can step in when you need to rest that player. And that will become dependent on on whether you want to go for a different profile or not stylistically, which both of us have said is a good idea to have somebody completely different because then you can do different things against different teams. But as, as, as a midfield grouping, having four players who all offer you a hundred, who offer you as a, as a, as a, collective of four, 100% of what you need across kind of different tactics and different styles is, is, is brilliant and is vital. The same at centre-back. There's, there's, there's very few positions that you would think are set in stone. But I, I do think that there are some positions like if we brought in, say, for example, there's talk of, of Spence from Forrest. I think even if we brought him in, he would be what would be known as the second choice. But because the way that we would usually play having Tommy is, is, is probably where we would want to go with that. And then it will be occasional games that we change things up. 
the the squad building is difficult because we don't have a squad, even with Maitland-Nars, like we don't have a, a when with AFCON going on, we, we don't have a particularly large squad of players that we can actually reliably rely on. But that that's no excuse for just, and Maitland-Nars isn't one of those players, you know, he came in and gave a man of the match performance in the midfield. That, 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 that decision just genuinely rattles my head. I, and, I, I and, don't and, understand and it. And just because a player isn't optimal, like Pablo Mari isn't optimal, you know, Maitland-Niles isn't optimal. He's not the person you want. He's not, he doesn't he doesn't do that thing that you said of of being part of the four options in the midfield that get you to one hundred percent of what you need in every every possible game, every solution. You'll have someone in there if they're available. Yeah. He doesn't get you there, but he gets you to eighty percent of it, eighty five percent of it, and and the control that we, you know, Burnley in this game and coming onto the game a bit more. What they did is they they forced us wide. Any time we looked dangerous, it was especially in the first half. It was it was central, like that Lacazette run where he just absolutely spoons mm. the shot. That was because we went through centrally. Otherwise, we're knocking balls into the box. And Ramsdale says after the game, you know, th- that's Bernie's bread and butter. Like, what? Like, why are we doing that? And I'm not sat here saying that Ainsley Maitland-Niles would have changed, would have completely changed the game. But what I am saying gives us another option, and it gives us another way of looking at the game Smith and, off and, the control- bench. and controlling the game and having Smith throw off the bench and you know making an impact, from, you know, from 60 minutes, or whatever. It's having options. And when you get mm. rid of your squad, you reduce your options. And I know it's not optimal, but I think, you know, my understanding or my suspicion was that getting rid of these players meant that, okay, well, we're clearly getting other options in. If we're not doing that, I don't support it. Like, I support getting rid of Glasenac. But if we're, if we're yeah. replacing him with thin air, <laughs> like, I'd rather have The him. thing with Kalasenac, though, is we replace Kalasenac in the summer. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, like a, like a, like a Maitland-Niles or With Mari. With yeah. Mari. If we're not bringing in another central defender in January, which we're not, why are we sending him out on loan? And I said this, I think in the last episode or the episode before, either about Maitland-Niles or Mari, this six-month loan is not putting extra zeros on their price tag come the summer. If you if you go to sell Maitland-Niles in the summer, you'll probably get the same amount of money as you would have got if he was just sitting on your bench. Because he's English, he's homegrown, sell him to Everton, they'll give you 10 million quid for him. You, you'll get that. That's fine. The same with Pablo Mari. But what we do risk is we risk losing out on European football because we didn't keep a central midfielder in or we didn't keep a central defender in and we had a COVID outbreak mm. and we weren't allowed to postpone the game. And so we were left playing Omar Rekic and Gabriel at centre-back and we got absolutely spun. And when... The reason there was there was quite an overreaction to the game post it, and I was definitely part of that. And then a few days to kind of look at the table, look at the results, and go, okay, well, this isn't so bad. But the table is so compact at the moment, and the table was so compact last season that the difference between no European football to Champions League football will be a matter of points. It will be four points, three or four points. It's not going to be a massively wide margin. Games like this, and if we allow this to happen again, will be the thing that either means we finish eighth again this season or we finish fourth this season. And like we've said before, if if we finish eighth again this season, we need a change in, in management. What baffles me is that we seem to be stupid enough to be putting the own uh, like the nails in our own coffin by making these silly, silly decisions. And 
for a club that we we've praised and that we think that has come so far, we still seem to be making bonkers, bonkers decisions for that we that we were making ten years ago and going, oh well, why have we sold this player? We're now left like when we sold Gabriel Paulista to to Valencia, and we were crying out for central defenders at the time. And you're thinking, what on earth has possessed us to do this? Because we, we're not gaining out of it. That Paulista deal, we got like 10 million quid for him. This this loan deal is is a, is absolute nothing. And I like, don't, you know, it, does it improve the player? Like, you know I, mean? I just don't get it. No, yeah, and this is what I mean by like, this whole thing is so frustrating because it's so avoidable, but it's also so typical Arsenal. It's so typical Arsenal for us to loan a central midfielder out and then be strapped for midfielders a week or two later because... We've had to play one that's just stepped off a plane. And the one that we know is a fucking calamity is Kung Fu kick someone. Like, it's yeah. so Arsenal. It's so Arsenal. It really is. That said, though, like, I, I, I do agree there was a bit... I mean, there's always an overreaction. Other than any... Other than a victory and three points, there's going to be an overreaction in, in some sense, in some parts of the fan base, I think. But with our cool hair on it, a day or so later, we can look at it and I think we can go, look... We're still in the top four race. You know, if we, I think if we win on all, all our games, um, games in hand, FC, here we go. But I think if we win all our games, we do go fourth, apart from if Spurs win all their games. Um, but we're in we're in the driving seat. We're certainly still in, in it. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's loads and loads of games to go. Um, we've played the two most difficult fixtures. We've played a lot, a lot of difficult fixtures, actually. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Spurs feeling- Spurs have still got to go to a lot of- yeah. away games against the top six so Def- definitely and we uh, you know look we've and we've still got to play Spurs so you know there's there's the yeah. we're much better than them and look we are like you know collectively we are better but we I just hope in this break now some lessons have been learned about the squad building mm-hmm. about going right well we need the numbers and you know if and if you have to slap an extra 30 grand on a wage bill or whatever you know the reason we're getting rid of these class in action you know Lenos and th- people like that is because to free up space. So let's use that. You know, if Artemelo is 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 stalling, just knock an extra ten grand on it. You know, I'd appreciate this is probably you know complete fantasy football here, but the the whatever, however you want to get those players in, you've seen objectively on the football pitch how not having enough options affects you and harms you. And I think the club can see the opportunity here and can see that for. The first time in what five, six years, maybe we are properly in the top four race. A bit, bit harsh. Maybe four, four years. We're properly in the race for top four. And Emery's first season, we yeah. we were what a, a point out of it. Yeah, apart, apart from yeah, since then, basically, what was that like three? Yeah, three four years ago. Um, so fuck y- yeah, that was four years ago. How many? When was his last? What was his first season? 20, no, 2019, 20, it was 2018, 2019, so three years ago. Three years ago. So, but even then, even then we didn't feel like we were in, it it was always a, oh, we're randomly near the top four. Yeah, we weren't in the We didn't ever, no. And we are now. And I think we can see the opportunity and I I just hope we, in whatever way we do, and I'm not, you know, I'm, Obviously, it'd be great to sign Vlahovic and Milinkovic Savic, like, you know, whatever. It would be great to get some big names in or whatever. But ultimately, all I care about is that we have enough players to fulfill the fixtures, for goodness sake. And it just, it it feels, yeah, elementary at times. And, and that's and that's really frustrating. I also think on the striker issue, get uh, kind of banishing Aubameyang is a decision that will have had to have been okayed by the owners and by the higher-ups. 
because they're the ones that are going to pay his wages. They're the ones that are going to have to deal with the financial ramifications. So if they've okayed that, they're also the ones that need to put up the fucking money that is needed to replace that output. Because, okay, Aubameyang is not what we need. He is in a fucking horrendous run of form. But the likelihood is, is he would get us at least another eight goals up until the end of the season. Maybe. We, if we're not, if we, if we're just going to write that off, we need to replace that output. Well, what would a Bamiang off the bench have got us yesterday? Potentially, I thought it might be a game for a Bamiang with the spaces. Maybe, definitely, and this is what I mean by like, if that's been okayed by the hierarchy and by the owners, they are also the people that need to go out and even if we don't get a Bamiang out of the club, have to replace him now because. They've made that decision to annex him. They need to deal with the consequence and bring somebody in to replace the little that he offers. <laughs> Should I do my Sean Dutch impression to lighten things up, Brad? Yeah, go on. Oh no, it needs to be it needs to be organic. It needs to be organic. Uh there's not much to say on the game. I mean, it could be because I watched it kind of knowing the result and not feeling like any kind of threat was really there. It was just very um, boring. It was boring, to be honest. You know, there was a run from Lacazette on about 16 minutes. There's a bit of chaos created. He just doesn't have the quality to finish the move. Um, the flap from Ramsdale on the corner, I don't want to just be like, oh, he's flapping confirmation bias here, but he's not been in the best form. Um, no. Something what is one I mean, to no watch. No one has, I don't think. True, true. And, you know. I don't think, I don't think anyone in January has been in their best form. It's very true, but I, I I think it is one to watch, and I hope he because mm. even his distribution there was a few decent balls, and you know, but that's sort of what we come to expect. It's the balls into midfield, and also I suppose without Jacker and Party there, maybe he feels a little bit more hamstrung in terms of what he can fire into the midfield. But I you know I miss those balls into midfield because they do bypass. Because I mean, how much how much of the ball that we have in our basically in our half just knocking it around? I mean, it just it was just boring. Um, yeah, I think his confidence has gone a little bit at the moment. There was a nice chance for about 19 minutes. Erdegaard and Laka had some shots blocked, some nice combinations. Um, oh, I- I'm so bored of, of players making bad decisions. It's the one that I, I don't understand it. It's the one stupid fucking thing I hate about professional footballers. They could literally have five men in front of them and they're trying 25 yard volleys. What are you doing? Just pass the fucking ball. That after there's a there's a there's a bit of a pinball moment and the ball comes up to Lacazette. Just try and control the ball and lay it off to Martinelli. Keep the ball. But instead he just tries to lash a volley and it, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. What are you doing? You're paid £180,000 a week. What are you like genuinely? How are you, who a man who has scored three goals in 16 games, looking at four defenders in front of you and Nick Pope and going, do you know what? I could lash this in. You fucking moron. Uh, yeah, it was it was a quiet first half. It was like 80% possession. But you just, I just, the, the my overriding feeling was, th- firstly, th- this team needs a break. Um, especially Saka, even his, even Saka's trim was wonky. It was just all a bit sort of laboured and <laughs> it was, it was all sort of all over the place. Um, but mainly that Burnley are wank. There was not a moment yeah, it's of quality. Time, it's time to get them relegated. There was it's time a, for them to fucking go. At least Lacazette gave us a Cruyff turn at one point. I mean, I just, nothing. Dwight McNeil can 
run a with a ball. That's about it. I just and and to quote your favourite phrase of mine, the way that they play football is a war crime. <laughs> Brad, you can't you can't say that. You can't say that. Than be a Burnley fan, genuinely. I'm beeping I would that rather out. that. I'm beeping that out. <laughs> um, World War Three starting, kids. We move. Jesus. Um, At least if that happens, we'll never have to watch this fucking shit again. There's <laughs> always always an upside. Um, always a positive. There was a free kick on 60 Minutes that Odegaard just uh, just put Ooh. over. I, the, do you know what? In, again, Odegaard, it's one of those things, it's one of my main frustrations on this game, is in three years' time, if we had the exact same game, we would have won 3-0. Because it's just it's just the development and, and none of them were really firing on the day. Um, and you can point to loads of things just an off day fatigue whatever you want to point to but um you know that free kick like he there's a there's a specialist there because he when he gets in those positions i'm always always back him and he and he, and he gets it pretty right so just you know a couple more years he'll be i think he'll be knocking those in pretty consistently there's a great corner drilled in smith roche's scores a great uh great save from nick pope um and then there's the big chance the lacazette one where he should score it's the best period best chance of the game we had like ninety percent possession, and it, and it and it kind of just summed the game up and summed up the kind of the feeling around the club at the moment, which is a frustration with the the senior personnel. I said at the at the top of the pod when Saka and Martinelli, who let's be clear are carrying us <laughs> this season, when they're not performing as is their want as twenty year old football players who are going to be inconsistent, we need people like Lacazette to step up, and he just doesn't have the quality. So. We we knew that and we know that and there's things that we and there's things that we can't control, but there's also things that we can control and I and let's control those. Yeah, we have to be very careful as well because we're not getting far from a point, especially with only two years left on each of their contracts. Where if we're not looking ambitious enough to build a team that they want to play in, they will leave. Because I I think there's probably maybe two teams in the Premier League that Saka doesn't start for right now on the right. I would say only one. Like, I, 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 and that is the most frustrating part of it all because it seems that we're back in the fucking 2008, 2009 merry-go-round of, oh, we need a striker. And then we sign a striker, but we sell a centre-back and then it's, oh, we need a centre-back and we're just in this fucking carousel of the fifth circle of hell where everything just keeps repeating because we, we keep putting ourselves in these situations by just not buying the players we need when we, when we need them, you know, that's why this is so frustrating because whilst these, these kids are carrying us, if we do not show the level of ambition that they have, Saka's played in a Euros final. He's had near a taste of like elite success, like the highest of honors if he does not see some moves from Arsenal in the next six months, he will not sign a new contract and we will have to sell him. Yeah, it's it's coming up to an, to an important time with Saka. Um, you know, we've seen his development phase and he is, he's in that phase, but I think he's coming to a point now where he could, you know, he knows he could go and play where basically where he wanted or certainly be pushing for a, for a, for a position. This is why I think that the squad building is even more important because, you know, for example, it, it's it's kind of one and the same of the issue that I talked about earlier. Well, we have Ben White, we don't need Saliba. No, 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 get them both. Same with Pepe. Don't sell, like, I'm, I'm not saying we couldn't do better on Pepe, but unless we're going to sign someone to replace Pepe, don't sell Pepe. 
He, he, you know, he yeah, was, we need to buy a better version of Pepe, not just sell Pepe and, and, and that's it. Amari Hutchinson, you know, we've got to provide these guys with competition, but also, you know, a squad around them that can support them and senior professionals. You know, who who is mm. the senior professional that these boys look at and go, that, that person is why I want to stay at Arsenal because I trust him and I think he's going to lead us to glory. Thomas Partey? I don't even, I don't even think that we, we need that. I just think that we need to be serious about the, the the next few signings that we're making. If we go out there and we sign either Vlahovic or Isaac or even Dominic Calvert-Lewin and we sign maybe an, a, another decently big name central midfielder, it could even be of a young age profile, that at least proves to these kids that there is ambition here at the club that we want to move forward and that we can see the opportunities where, you know, this season is the biggest opportunity for Arsenal to get Champions League football. We should have had a striker sign to, like a week ago. We should have just had it done. We haven't had it done and that's fine. And there's a lot of clubs like Chelsea and like City who when they see opportunities like this, they get it done. Chelsea saw the opportunity of Romelu Lukaku and snatched at it. Okay, it's turned out to be the wrong decision, but that's why they win so frequently because they're willing to make the wrong decisions because eventually they will make the right one. It will click and then they will start to win again. The issue is, is we're not making any decisions. We're not doing anything. We are far, far too passive. We are not aggressive enough as a football club. And players like Saka, players like Martinelli, who can see their opportunities going to clubs like Manchester City or Liverpool or elsewhere, where players are aging out and they can win Premier Leagues and they can win Champions Leagues, they are not going to stay here. And we are going to be left in the same perpetual cycle of Cesc Fabregas leaving for Barcelona. Yeah, it's concerning, and and amid all the sort of positivity that has that has been around this season, that is a sort of creeping concern, um, which is why I think last summer was important quality wise, and I think next summer and this these next few windows are important sort of group and ambition wise. It's getting the right guys in ment- mentally to kind of push us onto that next level as well, because I think one of the biggest things you know you can get very, very good footballers like Tommy Asu, and I, I, I don't know much about his mentality. You can get players who fit the system, who get us playing some really good football, but to get that edge, to get above above where we are into those sort of second, third, first challenging positions, you need people who are either willing to either either have that mentality and they believe that they should be there or have been there and done it. So what, whoever we sign, I think we need to be very, very careful about the group itself and, you know, I, I, I think a, maybe a less obvious solution is to go for a, some more experienced players to put around these guys. But a more, sorry, yeah, I think, did I say more obvious? A more obvious solution is to do, is to do that. Um, but maybe less obvious is to pick mentalities. You know, Vlahovic, this guy clearly thinks a lot of himself. You know, like, you know, for based on the negotiations and based on what we've seen and based on, you know, the way he carries himself on the pitch, this guy is a born winner and a natural winner. And he is not having his head turned by Arsenal. He's not, he's not cooing himself, you know, and sort of going, oh, God, interest from Arsenal. He's not interested. He, he wants to go to the biggest clubs. And that's, that's the level we've got to have. We've got to have people who are, who are saying, look, you know, we've got to have a Saka who is, who is, who is, who is able to play at that level to be at that level. So we've got a real challenge on our hands because I'm not sure how we recruit those people. I think we have to grow them. Um, if we can't grow them, how do we keep the people 
who we have that could be that. So it's it's a really difficult one. I think Vlahovic is the obvious answer to buy one. I think Isaac's the obvious answer to slap some money down to show that you're really serious and grow him. Because no, uh, in the, in the last, I think it, it might be in the last twelve or eighteen months, the only two under twenty three year old forwards who have scored more goals than Alexander Isak is Mbappe and Haaland. So it's 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 not a poor signing. And the prestige that comes with going, okay, we know you're young. We know we can grow you. We're serious about our project. Here's 75 million pounds. You're our new record signing. It shows what we need to do is we need to show those two lads that we're serious and that we're willing to make moves like that to make things happen. One of the big reasons I've been a massive champion of us trying to get back into um, the Champions League this season is purely because of of club situation in that, for example, Barcelona, there's a lot of talk that they're going to sell Frankie Dion. Frankie Dion once said that his dream career would have been to go to, uh, to, to star for Ajax, to go to Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, and then to end up at Barcelona. If Arsenal got Champions League football this season, they're only looking for about 60 million quid. That is an attainable player with so much quality. Un- unbeknownst amount of quality and potential. And if you're talking to Saka in contract negotiations going, we've just got Champions League football because we smacked 70 million quid down on a striker in January and we're now bringing in Frankie De Jong. Do you, uh, you want to stay for the ride, don't you? I, I think these lads 100% would. Mm. Yeah. But if we're not willing to make those moves and we're not willing to even look like we're making those moves... If I'm Saka right now and I see Lacazette miss that sitter and then we don't sign a striker in January, even though Champions League football's on the table, what am I thinking? I don't know. You're Saka. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. Uh, against Burnley, Probably Arsenal that, created that. more XG than in their 3-1 North London derby victory over Tottenham earlier this season. Uh, <laughs> did you see Arteta trying to defend the counter-attack himself on about 90 minutes? I think Dwight McNeil had it on the left-hand side and Arteta was basically like trying to keep up with him. <laughs> Bless him, man. He's going to give himself a heart attack. Arsenal have failed to score in the last six hours and 59 minutes of football in all competitions, which is very concerning. Um, Arsenal Eight halves of football. Yeah, Arsenal fired in 25 crosses today. Just two found a teammate. Um, And finally, fuck Burnley for their time wasting. That was my the last things I had to say. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck him. Uh, anything else on the game, Brad? Nah, nothing from me. We'll see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and please support our Patreon. We get access to ad free versions of the main podcast, and the preview podcast is just £3 a month. And for what time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a coffee. <laughs> Anything you can give monthly or one-off helps the podcast. The link's are in the show description. Carl uh, Hine joins Reading on loan. The 19-year-old Estonian keeper. Um, thoughts, feelings on that, Brad? I'm, I'm, sure you, I'm sure that's been keeping you up at night, mate, if that deal's going to go through. Good lad. Well done. Get yourself out there. Is it Reading on? Is it Reading on loan? He's joined. It's Reading on loan. 
Uh, let's hope that after he comes back from Reading, he doesn't bitch and moan like another keeper we loaned to Reading a few years ago. Hey, good link. Carl Jenkinson's gone to Melbourne City and scored in his debut. What a legend. And Melbourne City are part of the City group. So I'm not saying that Pep's watching Carl Jenkinson, but I am saying that Pep's watching. Just saying. Um, <laughs> the only real thing I had for news and views, because I wasn't particularly active yesterday, so I haven't got many views, um, was about AFCON and specifically Pepe, who was having something like 5.6 shots a game at AFCON, dragged uh, Ivory Coast through the last round of 16. He got a goal and assist in, in their win against Algeria. Do you think there is a place for Pepe in this squad? No. No, because I, I don't think it's anything to do with his ability. I think it's everything to do with the league. I don't think he has the skill set. I think he has the skill set that would see him be lethal in the Serie A. We've already seen him be lethal in Liga, but I don't think he has the skill set to be lethal in this league. Uh, we have barely seen flashes of him being his leal self, you know, so... Whilst I think this, this, this is exactly the Joe Willock situation from last season where we saw him go and score eight and eight at Newcastle and went, oh, is he good enough for Arsenal? No, this is the, per if a club came in right now and said, we'll give you 25, 30 million quid for him, we should probably consider selling him now. Because it, he's off the back of good... Like this, the, one thing that AFCON will do is it will raise the profile of him and people will realise, oh no, there actually is a good player in there. And then hopefully by the summer, we can move him out for a decent fee and recoup some of what we'll lose. But I, I don't see a place for him, especially not on the wages that he's on. And with the the... the I just think it's done. I think the the unfortunate love story is over. His stats, he's in the 91st percentile for non-penalty goals and 95th for touching the attacking penalty area. And his stats all round really aren't bad. His MPXG and expected assists are nearly 0.5. I think he's... I, I The more I think about it, if we're looking more and more ambitious... Don't we need players like Pepe to come on in the 60th, 70th minute to play in the Carabao Cup games and the FA Cup games? I don't know what wages he's on. That that could be another issue. 100, about 140k a week. Yeah, that 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 could definitely be an issue and definitely scupper this this uh, plan. So just ignore that. Ignore that for a second. But <laughs> just ignore the truth. Um, the thing about squad building is you, for me... As I said earlier, I think we've got to get away from this idea of first choice, second choice, and start looking at qualities that we're missing. And if we're missing something on on the wings, Pepe is a different style and a different option. Now, he's not particularly effective. I don't think we should start him. I think Saka should be our starting right winger because he provides the most solutions against the most amount of teams. But there might be games when the spaces are available, when potentially the defenders trait-wise tend to not, to not tend to close people down. You know, we watched him against Brighton at the end of last season. We watched him that Crystal Palace game. He can dribble really well. And when we're trying to break yeah. down a low block, I think Pepe could be someone to bring on. If he's available and doesn't want to leave and we're not getting the right offers for him, I think it's another one of those where 
we need to stop thinking about it. We need to start thinking like Man City and be like, for example, who is Man City? As I said this to you, who is Man City's starting left winger? But I think the issue is, is Man City is is the the red herring in this scenario because they who have the ability starting striker. But the Chelsea starting striker comes from an issue where most of Chelsea's strikers are shit. Apart from Van Dijk, who's Liverpool's Liverpool's other starting centre back. Yeah, but again, it's it's that's not because that's that's because that the other ones aren't really that good enough. And if I if anything, I think it's Matip. I think Matip has started the most games alongside Van Dijk this season than any of any other of, of Liverpool's centre backs. Sure, but Matip Matip I, offers I, I, a, a physicality, and I think Canate offers more of a presence and, and ability on the ball. I think I think we're looking at different profiles, and I think that's where it's going. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I can understand having different profiles, but there's a difference between having different profiles and, and having first choices and second choices. The issue is, is you've described needing a Nicola Pepe type player to be a second choice because you're saying you would want Saka to start to because be he the offers squad. the most solutions to most problems and to be in the squad. You want him to be a squad player. You can't have a squad player on 140 grand a I told week. I you to ignore that bit, and you, Brad. Which is, which, <laughs> which is, yeah, you've told me to ignore it. You also can't have a squad player who's your record signing. And if this, if Nick, if Nicola Pepe was available this summer from Angers for 15 to 20 million pounds, it's a move I'd be telling Arsenal to do. Go out and get him and put him on low wages and he's a good squad option. But the issue is, is he isn't that. And he will have a certain vision of himself, which will mean that him as a squad option will never work. The reason that he's thriving for the Ivory Coast right now is because he is the main man. He is one of their main men. He's allowed the responsibility and allowed the freedom to do those things and to exploit that space. Mm. I, I also don't think he works well in, in this fuego de posición that um, Mikel's trying to play. I don't think that's his his type of football. So what we need is somebody with Nicola Pepe's skill set who can play well in the, in the style that we want to play and that we can put on a hell of a lot less money. Yeah, I, I, I think Pepe's probably the wrong player. And I think if we, as long as we replaced him, I would be up for replacing him. I would uh, replace yeah. him with the right profile, I'd be up for replacing him. But I think generally the, the, the principle stands across the squad. I think, you know, we were talking about our central midfield earlier. What we need, in my opinion, is the closest person I can think of to this is an Indeedy. Someone with a decent, well, a better passing range than all of our players. Someone who can hit those long diagonals. Not quite an Indeedy's game, but more specifically, be a proper interceptor, clearer blocker, someone who's high in those numbers, someone who can screen a defence properly and allow two eights to come forward, a proper single pivot. Someone who can do that. And I think the principle of that across our squad building, this is why I bring Pepe up as, you know, what, if we don't get the right offer for him, just keep him. Like, you know, I, I don't, you know, when we're definitely not in contract cancellation area. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I guess because of that price tag, But then you I are still... left with the situation that we had with, with Jacker this season where we're going, oh, you know, we, he was great at the Euros and they're not offering enough money. Let's just keep him. Why shouldn't we sell him? And the reason that we should have sold him is because he's cost us in big moments this season. And if we'd have sold him and brought in somebody to replace him, we might not have had to contend with those big moments. Yeah, I, I, guess, with, I guess with Pepe. Something is only ever, something's only ever worth what people are willing to pay for it. Pepe's never going to get a meaningful run in this team that's going to mean he's worth more 
than what people will be willing to pay for him this summer after a good AFCON. He is more likely if we don't sell him this summer to leave on a free and we'll have paid him 140 grand a week for the privilege of 30 minutes every other game and we'll have spent 72 million pounds on him. Um, to be clear, I think he should leave. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying if we get an offer, we should. I honestly, fifteen mil, twenty mil would convince me. But I just, I think the principle of having players who, who we know have quality, letting them go without specifically without getting a replacement. I think sometimes people think, well, we've got our right winger, so let's not. We need someone of Pepe's quality, <clears throat> quality. And I don't know, I'm not saying not. I don't know who we get, but I, th- I think we do need someone like him so you know while while we're not getting the offers for him which appears we're not let's let's keep him around if we do get the offers then then i'm with you but i i i don't know who takes him do you know what i mean again and i don't know who takes him for a, for the price that would be acceptable because you know maybe afcon will help but i don't know a bit conflicted a bit conflicted i think we need something in those areas anyway to be honest i think we need something oh definitely we definitely need a a dynamic i mean you know serge Gnabry comes to mind but you know someone in those areas who isn't a sort of who 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 is in the peak of their powers and maybe isn't going to change the world because we have got Smithrow and Marcelli and Saka in those positions but someone who can get say 10 15 goals a season and the thing that i think we have to accept as arsenal fans right is that we're so used to this idea that we have to sell players for good amounts of money so we can reinvest that money if we want to be successful at the top echelons of this sport, we as a club have to be willing to take the losses on players like Pepe if somebody comes in with a £20 million offer and then move on and finance it some other way to get somebody else in. We have to be willing, we have to be willing to do those types of deals if if we want to be successful because we know Pepe's not the right option. We know it's time to move him on. The only reason that we're saying if the right offer comes in is because we're basically saying if enough money comes in so that we have the money to replace him. Mm. I think that's where the mentality comes from. And we that that is the thing that needs to go. It was a bad decision made by the hierarchy. If, if, if we're going to get him out for 20 million quid, hopefully the squad option isn't going to cost much more than that. But we have to... We now have to put our money where where our mouth is when it comes to certain positions on this pitch and when it comes to fleshing out the squad. We really, really do. Because that's unfortunately where this sport has gone. It is no surprise that, that, that no teams have been more successful than City and Chelsea probably in the last decade. Chelsea have won two Champions League titles in, in 11 years, 10 years. Mm. Like, but NP nineteen, it is, right? It's saucy. I know what you mean. It's it, that's where the game is going, and we've got to accept it. Um, but I think we can be smart about it. Yeah, and um, I'm not saying that we can't be smart with the money. But if, if for example, we're saying let's get Pepe out for fifteen mil, and his replacement's going to cost twenty twenty five the owners in the club are the people that have to put that extra money in so that we can do that, so that we can get the squad to where it needs to be to be successful. Javinia? Solomon Kalu? Javinia. We've just got time, Brad. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time out, I asked you. The theme was the final season at Highbury. And the question was, who were the three players... 
a midfielder, a striker and a winger, we signed in the January of 2006. Adibayor, Abu Dhabi, Theo Walcott. You saw a tweet, didn't you? No, I knew the answer. Well done, Brad. Very good. Uh, we I forgot to ask you for a theme last time. It's going very well, this. I will ask you for a theme this time. But you text me a theme, uh, or autocorrect. By accident, Autocorrect actually. gave yeah. us the theme, and it was Petr Cech. So, your question <laughs> for next time is, what year did Petr Cech retire? What year did Petr Cech retire? Should we we should be getting that one? It should have been 2015, yeah. frankly, but it was it was not. It really should have. <laughs> did you ever see? Did you ever see the stuff going out that um that apparently he scouted Eduard Mendy for Chelsea when Arsenal played whoever they came from or something in the Europa League or something? Oh, really? Basically, he scout. Yeah, he said that he scouted Mendy. Uh, um, in like in like no 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 is in like saw him and, and thought about him in like 2018 and then and then or something when he was playing for Arsenal at the time Chris I was like contracted to Arsenal you're just like fucking hell what lad Mendy's had a mad career you know he's like he was like he has he, he has. like he'd like given up football or like he was on the dole mate mental uh, theme for next week please uh, the theme for next week is going to be... Come on, we haven't got all day. Ooh, da, 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 da. German players at Arsenal. German Arsenal players. All right. German and the only reason is because... Also, I've got a big beef before we before we leave. My family always buy me the Arsenal calendar each year. Who the fuck decides who goes on these bloody sheets? Because they're absolute bloody morons. <laughs> they have put... They have put, right... Granite Xhaka is December. He'll be gone. Yeah, he'll be gone. Pepe is November. He'll, he'll be, be gone. gone. Where else? Where else? Where else? Leno's January, which is fine because it's, at least he'll be here. He'll, be, he'll, for he'll ja- commemorate well, him he might as have he fucking, goes. He might have fucking, yeah, he might have fucking gone by January. Fuck me. Like, what is this? What What is this? Why? Have they got like Silvinos there? <laughs> you know, they do like the following January. They give fucking you a little... Philip Senderos. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, it is always a pleasure. That was a very squad buildy uh, conversation, but it was therapeutic. I feel. Um, feel like well, we'll... we need to build a squad because they keep loaning out our players. Like we put the world to rights. We did always. Nicolas Pepe wins two point zero four aerial jewels per ninety, which is in the ninety fifth percentile. Pretty good. Come on, NP nineteen, keep him around, Brad. You know you want to. Fuck off. No. <laughs> thanks as always for listening keep it different knock actually anything else to say Brad I, I, I'm, I'm ending it prematurely have you got a no I've got nothing to say compliment my always a pleasure Dutch impression again or um do you know what I will really compliment hurts. it looks like it looks like you're wearing a really nice hoodie it looks it's really nice it's a new balance hoodie oh he's got new hair and a new hoodie oh and you're you're wearing, you're ripping the, uh, the third kit as a a loyal fan. Very good. Well, listen, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, we appreciate you very much. Uh, leave us a review. Drop us a like on YouTube. Do whatever you want. Send us a message. Send we'll us have a, a message. Chat. Maybe someone can recommend Brad some, I don't know, beard trimming Therapy. products. <laughs> Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> 
If anyone's got a good therapist for Brad, let us know. Please. Uh, thanks as always for listening. If you're keep in the North it, London area, you have a good therapist. Keep it different, knock, and we'll see you later, maybe. Peace. Peace. Oh, God. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.